go. Hello. I'm Bogey. I'm Brian. I'm Q. And we're Meaningful. An agency that helps brands find a meaningful place in the world. Today, we're talking with Michael Tennant, founder of Curious Labs and the creator of the card game, Actually Curious, a game that explores trust and building empathy. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Michael. How's it going? Do you guys prefer me to have uh, AirPods or no AirPods? Either way works. Maybe I'll go headphones. I'll go headphones. Yeah, yeah. More 3D. (laughs) As I was in the airport and coming back from Copenhagen, I saw the, uh, is it Bang & Olufsen AirPods? And I, I feel like that's like a brand for me that's like a very aspirational brand, like Honestly, like I didn't even know about it until um, my boy Dave, who's like, Dave's one of my like, like coming up in advertising and and in media in New York. He was at BBDO and I was at, I was probably, I was on media side, I was at MTV. And he was like my like inside guy for, he just taught me a lot that I would then play back in in meetings and stuff like that. But he, he had a pair of like vintage B&O's from his dad who was also a designer um I don't know I brought them up but like I guess because I'm talking we're about to talk about brands and like uh airpods and I don't know I I haven't looked them up yet to see what they cost I bet they cost a pretty penny probably (laughs) these are and and you know B&O you know we we noticed too you you just slipped in like Copenhagen as if it was like no big deal so (laughs) Nice, nicely played. Yeah, world traveler, you. How did you get to Europe? How did they? How did they let you? Can you? Can you go there now? So they have like so they're progressive. They're more progressive than we are here, and they no consider partnerships. <laughs> <laughs> they consider partnerships beyond uh, just marriage. So if you, uh, it's like it's translated like a, a sweetheart clause in Danish, apparently. So since nice. Caroline, Caroline and I are, are both uh, our romantic partners and also, um, you know, business, business partners as well. So um, anyway, does she, does yeah, she know like that because we're recording? <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is great. This is how you start off an episode. You know, I know. Right? We're just giving you, we're just snapping towels. We're giving you a hard time. Every time I've been on a podcast up until this point, it's it's like a, a woman most of the time on the other side. Uh-huh. So, and this is the first time it's been with more than one guy. So I was, I was ready. I was ready for some There you go. Towels. Yeah. Well, so... You, oh, I'm sorry, Bogey. Go ahead. No, I was just going to pick up okay. on this brand comment. Please, please. I was just going to say it's pretty chill and it's pretty. Uh, we take it pretty casual. So there's no, you know, hard format that we follow. It's really a conversation. Beautiful. Thank you, Bogey. Um, yeah, thank you for you guys um, just having interest in in the work and my story. <laughs> well, it's. It's essential work, right? I mean, if if anything's meaningful, it's helping helping people have a better understanding and connection with each other. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, of course we're interested <laughs> out of out of out of necessity. 
<laughs> Man, do we need it, right? What what yeah. I was going to say because you had mentioned uh, the Bang and Olufsen and and that you were just kind of thinking about brands. Um, not everybody who will listen to this um, will will know uh, right off the bat what you're about. Um, so it'd be great to talk without taking a lot of time, just a little bit about the brand, just get a little foundation. Um, yeah. We know that it's a card game. We know that it's about building empathy, but is there, from a brand perspective, is there something you would want to kind of lay out for somebody who's just tuned in? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would want to let your community understand our ecosystem and so essentially, I, uh, I'm the CEO of Curiosity Lab, which is an entertainment uh, product and marketing company. We're kind of experimenting where things go and where the energy feels right. Um, we've really taken a, a pretty, pretty serendipitous turn over the last um, two years or so after a pretty, a pretty crappy turn or few turns. Uh, so the way the story goes in short is um, in 2019, in April of 2019, uh, my former partner and I, Curiosity Lab, we called Splits. Three uh, months later, I lost uh, the closest family member in, in, my, in my life, my brother, Chris. At this point, in order to survive, because I had some pretty, um, you know, what I've come to learn, some toxic and actually quite common coping mechanisms that I put in play. But at this point, I had also had some uh, better, healthier mechanisms of being like journaling, meditation, um, incorporating um, more movement, um, a values exercise that I do both in my brand work, but then also I started applied it to my personal way of being. And combining these, these processes, I, um, I, I managed to, to work my way to a point in the healing process, right? Three months after mm -hmm. that, I lost another older brother, which then kind of sent everything into a, a tailspin. Um, it took what was probably a gradual process of wanting to step off of a treadmill of life and onto really being driven by something intrinsic um, to step outside of uh, these external ways of valuing myself and really be driven by something intrinsic knowing that my brothers both under the age of 50 uh, were no longer with us. Um, eight nieces and nephews left behind, my mom and dad, I had to play a new, a, new, a new path. So this is where my path, which was really a bumpy one up until this point for, for quite a few years, um, turned into just kind of forward momentum and, and trusting. And the, it was kind of a twofold, going out onto the road, um, with an active mindset of wanting to let go of some narratives that had been a part of my life as a black man in this country, who's been you know, pretty immersed in, in, in white society since I was 12 years old and went from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn to boarding school. Um, so a lot of narratives as a, as a first generation American, uh, immigrant born, um, first college grad, but had a lot of narratives that while I'd made it quite, quite a place, I think were, were, were holding me back. Um, in addition to the healing that was necessary. So that intersected with this card game. So the card game was originally created as an articulation of the values of Curiosity Lab, uh, which at that point were community and compassion. Um, 
It was created in 2018 as a tool leading into the midterm elections of that year as a tool to help fight divisiveness. So I had this, this moment where I realized like, hey, we're heading into an election year in a country that's so severely polarized. This card game that was created in 2018 is gonna be probably needed in a major way. Then comes COVID, then comes the rise of uh, the Black Lives Matter movement after George Floyd and the effort, this, I guess, like six months prior, just going door to door, playing the game, meeting people, getting feedback, going to in deep South where I'd never been driving by myself, playing this game coincided with, with a cultural moment um, and the product, the product kind of took off. So actually Curious is a card game that was made to help fight divisiveness. Today we talk more about, it's a game that was made to spread the tools of empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing story. Um, but at the tail end, you said that uh, the game, it took off, the game took off. Can you just, just physically, just how did it get from you going door to door, presumably initially with people you knew, people in your social circle. How did, how did it then get, how did it take off? Well, my parents live in Florida and I live in New York. I'm in Boston now. Um, I decided to drive down to Florida. I would go on Facebook and re and like find people that I knew along this path. You know, I'd book Airbnbs along the way. Um, but I picked tier one and tier two cities on the way from New York to, to, to Florida. And I looked for like boutiques, vintage shops. Um, in addition to meeting up with friends from my past or maybe even strangers or even foes in my past, I would go to like these targeted, targeted shops. So, you know, that was from November till January. I, I went back to New York, I took a breather. I went back out to California. I spent some time with my nieces and nephews. And then I, I took off back down to LA and then to, to Florida. On that trip is when COVID-19 started sort of really breaking out yeah. in Seattle. As I was like, maybe I was in LA, leaving LA to, to head to mm -hmm. Marfa, Texas. And so on that, through that journey of like three months, meeting mostly strangers, just like, and honestly, I, I had a lot of social anxiety prior and I also consider myself quite an introvert. So it was also this test of how just throwing myself over and over at this, this challenge, this hurdle, um, how I might be able to, to overcome it. And over the course of that, I ended up in about 75 shops. So COVID-19 hits, I'm in Florida where my parents live. I haven't been there for as long as I ended up being there since I was 12 years old and went away to boarding school. And, um, you know, they didn't quite understand also why I was, you know, out on the road after like, you know, they, they sacrificed to put me into good schools, help me get scholarships and whatnot. So for them yeah. with like an immigrant background, they're like, what the hell are you doing, boy? <laughs> Driving around the country, <laughs> playing the card game and doing what? And they're also were, were terrified for me. They, like my mom often would be like, Mike, uh, you're driving through like these backwoods in the south, in the deep south. These these rednecks, this, they're gonna pull you over. This you is know? this is like a sequel to, to Green Book. I mean, going into the south, I mean, holy smokes. Um, yeah, I mean, it was all important though because 
because, you know, it was confronting fear, which is a big part of what we talk about now in terms of um, what the game teaches. It was like on a micro level, me like over and over, like confronting my fears and my narratives. I, mess, I, me, I met up with like a, a young man who I had a really strained relationship with in, in boarding school, like since I was since I was 12, since my first immersion into, into white America. And uh, and so it was a lot of like little moments that have added up to why why also this, this product's resonant. When folks in, in Italy uh, were socially distanced and like singing in, in the streets, we got inspired to kind of reach out. At this point, we, we maybe had like a thousand followers to reach out to our community, also our personal network and, and ask people to help us translate 18 questions from, from both of the uh, combined from both of the mm -hmm. cards. Mm -hmm. And so that gave us like a little bit of like a boost. I revisited my values and I added two new values, resilience, and consistency. So the, the three that existed before were curiosity, which is like this innate value that kind of speaks to my playfulness and kind of um, so like my inner child in a way. The other two back then were um, grace and leadership, which were kind of aspirational values for me. Because um, at the time I was struggling to keep my cool, like after losing Chris, like my brother Chris, I was having a hard time. And I just wanted to like have this reminder so those were the three. And I added resilience and consistency. Resilience speaks to both an individual recognized innate value of, of what we had overcome over the last year, but then also reflecting on the uh, experience of the African diaspora and, and how much, like even my parents are from Jamaica, but Jamaica experienced also the, the, the slave trade. Um, yeah. You know, my my parents my parents have complicated relationships, and I, I actually I think that there's there's a residual uh, effect of slavery that has yielded uh, complicated relationships in family dynamics or added to them a generational trauma, if you will, which is oh, yeah. probably for another 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 day. But I started to really dive into this this work, so that resilience was about my experience. But today, I think that this trauma is actually like, um, like I, I can't tell you where original trauma comes from because as far as I know of history, there's always been this othering, um, this othering as a, as a means of like seeking safety. So I think, I think we all suffer in, within this trauma. So the yeah. resilience is something that like, anyway. So all of that coincide, I'm sorry to be banging on, but all of that coincided. This the is good, this is good. Thank, thank you, Bogey. Thank you. Thank you for giving me giving me that space. Um, yeah. So the night of Memorial Day, um, I had started writing more as a means, similar maybe to this podcast, but a means of like expressing my point of view, um, just like unencumbered, and and uh, and and also being able to flesh out some of my thoughts. And um, and I'd been thinking a lot about. Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and my travels on the road and what had happened over time at this point, doing all of this empathy work. You know, people who get into this work where they hold space often, um, you actually, and you get even more sensitive about like recognizing the nuances of what's going on with people in the room. You start to take on a lot of emotion in your, in your body and get more sensitive to like what might be happening. So one of these effects that I, I, I recognize is when I would see symbolism 
uh, flags, like the Confederate flag or um, in the, I would, I would feel like this, sh these shocks within my body. So I ended up yeah. writing this essay about a pretty benign, what was seemingly benign situation. I was in a, a drive-through um, up a Starbucks and mm -hmm. I was just listening to music, doing my own thing. These were my little breaks from my parents <laughs> who are a handful. Like I would take like a little drive to Starbucks right. and then I would drive down to a park, stay there and like look out the window for a little bit, listen to music. And that was like my break. Yeah, yeah. And so I drove into the Starbucks and I saw this sticker that said, God bless our president. And I was just like, my body like went into shock. And I was like, no, I was like, no, Mike, it's just like, it's just, you know, it's just a God bless our second. I was like, for all you know, it could be like a, a, a holdover from the Obama days. And my view like panned back and I saw, um, a like like a, a more prominent trump sticker and like my body was in shock and then i yeah. i went from fear to sadness to like anger that like a moment like this that i have to feel this way like and wanting people to understand what the symbolism what the effect yeah. a micro trauma feels like and so i wrote about that and then I woke up the next morning and it was the Central Park situation and George Floyd. Beyonce wrote about us in June or put us on her black parade list. Um, we used like the boom of, of, uh, of, of added attention to bring on a publicist who we met along the way. Like she actually like found us and brought us onto a panel to speak about being a black owned business. And then the rest is history. We've just been running with like a small kind of um, scrappy yeah. team, me, Caroline, Morgan, our publicist. <laughs> and um, the New York Times article happened in, in October, which also plugged an allyship initiative that we did, that we do for consumers called Empathy Workouts, which are yeah. mini empathy workshops and a TED talk. Um, and then, Al Roker's team at NBC uh, right. saw that article. Mm -hmm. That's the path. Well, wow. it's a whirlwind and you're just yeah. getting started. I hope so. I believe so. Yeah, you're right. You know, it, it's so interesting. Um, I, I mean, we could go off on so many things you've talked about because mm -hmm. it's deep stuff and, and it's, it's, it's essential human stuff, you know? Um, well, you, you mentioned the 1%, and, and I know that um, because we had, you know, we're cheating a little here. We, we, yeah. We've had a conversation before the podcast, but um, <laughs> it'd, it'd, be great, it'd be great to talk about the 1% because I think that um, it's daunting when you think that this is a humanity issue, empathy, right? Yeah. It, I mean, you can go all the way back. Um, to every problem in mankind. And it has to do with, like you said, the otherness, um, what people do to justify oppression. Um, they have to take, strip people of their personhood in order to justify the cruelty that people uh, uh, pr project on, on other people. It's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a horrifying hit list of, of uh, human badness, you know? And, um, um, to think like, how are we going to change? But then what's interesting about the 1%, it's that seed or yeast idea, like just getting a toehold, getting, getting some people. And, and to talk about that, I think, I think that's a great way to really focus 
mm-hmm. your energy to really figure out how to how to how to get this into the culture. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Brian. So the one percent, um, as I understand it, is um, getting one percent of the U.S. population to actually become to pledge to to yeah. advocating for empathy and human rights. Yeah, yeah. And so what you're doing is really it's that like biblically that yeast that if you can get that into the culture, it will it will spread. So it's that one percent is really that's your toehold in society. Like like you can only have so many Michaels taking road trips and going to vintage hmm. shops and playing hmm. playing the game. Right. Yeah. But those, if you had three point three. Yeah. If you had three point three million Michaels. You read the brief. <laughs> you might get somewhere. Right. So I so I think that that. I think that all of a sudden this daunting thing becomes plausible. Yeah. When you cast it that way, right? The reason we have, we, we claim 1% more than anything is that Chuck Welch, he taught me, he's like, Michael Tennant, he's like, you need to try harder. You need to come up with an earworm. You need to come up with a phrase that buries in people's ears and gets stuck in their heads like an earworm. So we claim 1% also works for us because it's like our whole thing with Curiosity Lab is taking a narrative and flipping it. So if we can take right. something that feels dirty for some reason, like the 1% and try to infuse a different, a different brand into it, a different meaning into it, or get, oftentimes when we say we claim 1%, people go, we claim 1% and we go flipping the narrative on the 1% to mean getting 1% of the population to spread empathy, they go, aha. And it's, it's just that it's sticky enough. 1% though is like, like Brian said, it's 3.3 million people, right? So if I could get 3.3 million, 3.3 million people to spread the pledge and, and you know, that's a big, that, that's a big number um, for any brand, because this is also a brand, you know, when we think about it, it's like maybe an aspiration would be like a live strong, maybe or red not i mean minus the scandal <laughs> you know but um yeah. but i guess 3.3 <clears throat> million people when i think about it i'm i'm pretty intimidated as a marketer or a strategist i'm still trying to figure out chunk by chunk how to how to break that off and part of that is by like by by allying up you know like this week we'll we'll announce a pretty important partnership of where we're taking the empathy workshop work into a corporate setting um, over a nine month period um, to help an organization navigate how they are dealing with these sort of four concurrent stressors of polarization, COVID-19 and an impending uh, or present um, financial crisis, racial justice movement and um, what already existed but of deepening mental health crisis. So we're trying to bring this card games that are about, you know, um, connecting, helping people connect. We think we've, we've come up with some pretty good models for connecting virtually um, that will help build those bonds that are lacking now, but also help introduce behavior of sharing. So, so when you talk about the allyship, I guess that was something that we were trying to figure out um, because, because you know, you're you're a young company. You're just you're just getting going, and and uh, it's not like you're fat, like you have a ton of money. So it's not like you can have this, uh, you know, media budget with uh, you know paid search and programmatic and stuff like that. So, is the way you're going to get 
enough exposure to get these 3.3 million people? Is that is is the allyship your media strategy? Yeah, I mean, my background prior to doing this all was in brokering partnerships, either from the media side with brands and or or on the agency side with media. Um, and then I've done that for companies my size uh, now or smaller. They're actually smaller than we are now. Um, I've done that with brands, with other businesses, and, and they didn't have as clear of a, a vision for how they were affecting society uh, in a positive way. So we believe that it's an effective way that at least allows us to maintain our independence in the short term. Um, mm -hmm. which is when I think of like my values, which I, I, I'm actually overdue, I'm going to redo them. Um, but I think freedom is a really big, big one for me. Um, and you know, you know, Brian, actually this year, like through this work and, you know, um, I managed to pay off my debt for the first time. I'm wearing this shirt that says I am Neo because, and I didn't, I didn't mean to, to say this, but it's because like this idea of untethering from the matrix this matrix mm -hmm. of like debt and expectation and mm -hmm. inertia and like leveling up every time you get a new bit of income or I don't know, every permutation of it. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm tangenting a little bit. B, bring me back. <laughs> bring me back. Yeah, you know You're what? Fine. You know let what? Me... You have to, let me just say one thing about that because this is, this is, it's for you, Michael, but it's for the world. And I actually just did an article on this. Business needs nonlinear thinkers. Mm -hmm. And you're nonlinear, which is why you Thank go you. in tangents. Nonlinear people are the ones who, who, they're creative. They're the ones who find new associations, new connections, put things together in new ways. And business stifles that because business wants to domesticate the human mind and the process and have repeatable, predictable outcomes. And that's all linear. You got to have both on your yes, team. Yes, sir. Or you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss out on the creativity. That's true. That's true too. Innovation. Got to have both. So, so we'll just. There's no leash. We're gonna let you run. You can go feral <laughs> and go on all sorts <laughs> of tangents. So, so your question, Brian, that feels yeah. good right now for the growth that we want. Like right. we're, you know, we're continuing. Like it's working. Like actually, I mean, we do a little bit of media on Amazon, but we don't really have like. We don't have the creative assets yet. We have some things we want to shore up in terms of like, just like CRM and like how we're communicating with people. What's been really beautiful about this experience now that I'm actually like exploring doing more, more marketing services is that I was on the media side, either for media companies like Vice and MTV, and then at media agencies working for big money brands like P&G and Delta and stuff. And when I exited that world and started talking more to more DTC millennial born brands, and I would get these like pushbacks about how they approach strategy and how they approach work. And I just didn't, it just didn't click fully. And now I just like understand like what it means to build a brand from scratch and to mm -hmm. focus on just like really like tweaking the little pieces because when you really, and, and also having that opportunity, you guys will love, you guys I'm sure love this and have, um, have experienced this, but like when you can sort of go from strategy to tactics without layers of, of slashing in between, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing.
It's a well, beautiful I think a thing. lot of people a lot of people don't understand. You know, you, people talk about brand as if it's uh, at odds with tactical or retail. Mm-hmm. But the truth, really, and this is one of the one of the big things that we always preach is the branding is the rudder that informs all your tactical moves. Mm-hmm. If you don't mm-hmm. have that branding in place, then you're really you're you're just you don't know how to navigate. The, t- the tactical end of things, which is daunting because in the digital media landscape, there's like a million places you can pop up because it's so decentralized and it's so much on demand where people have to pull you in. And the only way they're going to pull you in is if you're of interest to them. So there mm-hmm. has to be some connection on a value level, shared values, right? And then you get into social currency and that really is what motivates people to share. <laughs> and sharing sharing is how you get distributed across the media landscape right now. It's, it's, it's a pull dynamic, whereas traditionally it was always push, push things out. Now it's pull. I'd love to go a little bit deeper and, and talk about the brand and talk about its positioning. Such a complex uh, area, just the word empathy, right? But how do you how do you present that to the world, right? How do you how do you compete? And I'm getting very tactical here, but right, okay. and, and this may be a little bit too tactical. But how do you compete when you have, you know, actually curious? You have cards against humanity, and you have we're not really strangers, right? And that's the reality, right? The reality is, you find yourself in the living room. Uh, with with people, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's just a co or group of friends. And how does that? What's the setup that leads into a place where you have someone saying, "Hey, I'd love I'd love to play this game. Let's 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 take a look at this. Let's dive into this." Uh-huh. And I guess, <laughs> I guess the question I guess the question hidden in that question <laughs> is: Do do people do people say? I want to play empathy, or do people just say, "I want to have fun"? Yeah, you know, I want to have you. fun. Let's just do something fun. Let's do something interesting. Um, it's it's like a circus ride, right? Uh, yeah. It, it, I know I'm going to have fun, but I also know I'm going to be scared. Yet I want both, right? And that's what well, you mean with this game. Yeah, and so w- when you said that's why we 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 left. At the word uh, dangerous, danger. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, oh yeah. We think that's so important. We personally, anyways, mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. that that is so important in attracting users, attracting people to the game. That it's not just there's something potentially kind and therefore soft about um, the idea that um, cultivating empathy. Wait, so you guys want to? You guys want to get dangerous? Sure. Boogie, is that was that your question? My my question was, what do you have to say when you're in the living room and someone picks up this game versus the other game? That's like yeah. a very realistic right. question, you know. The original impetus of this game came up around the topic of bias, and it was an exploration of like who who tends to like. Who tends to like trample safety? Why does that happen? How do you gently let them arrive at that on their own? Mm-hmm. And so, so the game ended up being just like actually it's just a tactical output of that 
I was in the shower just being like, I don't know, maybe because I'm the fourth of four boys and they all talked over me. I just sit there and listen until, <laughs> until, like, until I get my opportunity. And then maybe because, maybe because I just, I'm not a perfectionist. I, I don't know, maybe because I skipped grades. So I had this, this, this time period where me doing really well caught up. So like I ended up getting C's and having to like maneuver the finagling part of my life. So I'm not a perfectionist. So I don't ever really feel like I need to defend my point to the death. I always like, I'm more so concerned with the, the middle point. So the question kind of came up like, why is it that like my brother Darren or like my boss will never like admit when they're wrong? You know, why is that? And so what ends up happening is the card game, this tool to like help teach bias which then a trojan horse of that was to come up with something that has a very non-affronting name actually curious which people call out by name now like the fans do um but like actually curious it can be a question it can be a phrase it basically is taking this thing that's very confronting a lesson that like yo check it out do you even know what it means to create a safe space do you know what it means to like look around the room and kind of survey and kind of say, hey, who uh, might feel threatened to speak up here? And then to moderate how you work the room. And the game just like teaches that. So people, people, to, I'm gonna get dangerous. People fuck with that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. people are like, well, if I can learn those tools, if I can learn those tools or like when I'm in that situation, how to stay calm and gently like maybe um, gently like protect the space in the room. So then when the other games have come out, they're just like, they just like add to that. So we've gone lighter. You, you mentioned we're not really strangers. Great game. I think they're doing a brilliant job marketing. We tend to not talk about competition too, too much. We say like, we say that, well, with you're not really strangers, we think they're helping people open up. So they're spreading empathy. And if we're true to our values, they're doing a good thing. So we can't really knock on them. Um, Cards Against Humanity, we picked up their mechanics. We love that they like, I've, I've studied them. Mm -hmm. I know that they do uh, rolling. They don't really do paid, they probably, they do, maybe they do paid media, but their big thing is these like, uh, like um, just like, a PR strategy, these really amazing, um, dangerous, like unexpected stunts. Um, well, we kind of look at them as like an anti-hero. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Like with Cards Against Humanity, it's, it's, that's what they have on the thing. It's like a party game for horrible people, right? Yeah, they know what they they're, are. They're, they're, they're diving into this, you know, uh, well, this dangerous, gnarly place, right? You guys have something completely different, but it's it can be as equally, if not more, dangerous because there's something huge and Have something really deep. Yeah. Well, no, I, I agree. And honestly, a critique of myself and and branding is uh, is how is is maybe around the gameplay. Is not maybe is definitely around the gameplay. So we have gameplay here, like the way the way it works. If we were to, we could even do a round if you guys want, but like the way it would work is one person pulls the card, reads it to everyone else. Every, there are instruction cards inside. When, when everyone else answers, the person who was listening and read the card, they then go, oh, well, like I, I really felt connected to that. So I'm gonna award you the card. 
in here there are four colors so you have to start with blue that's the only the only rule is that you start with the lightest card so and then work your way up gradually so you're building trust right each level gets intimate more intimate and then the the design there's some design stuff that i think your people would like um the lowest level the eyes are closed and then as you go up the eyes get progressively more open which symbolizes um that's cool. symbolizes awakening up to the to or like you know opening your perspective mm -hmm. up to the highest right. level right. so then like i award the card to you you've now unlocked the green level you can choose whether you stay down here in blue or you go up to green but you can't go up to yellow until you've done a green right you right. can't go up to to pink until you've done a yellow so that that's the gameplay and then like if it's really good actually for people who aren't who don't want to open up you actually play it like a like a game you award the points and whoever has the most points the most cards at the end they've won but <clears throat> what's ended up happening is this is like proliferated into like workshop settings so i end up flipping up the gameplay to teach specific tools of empathy so i've been studying learning like um like using the cards and then implementing so the critique is when I do the workshops, I introduce these different gameplay styles and people already just like open up the decks. They'll go straight to the pink instead of starting at the blue and, and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't read the instructions. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I could do a better job at making it clear, like you should start lower, work your way up. Here's like a standard gameplay. Here's why it's good, but here are other permutations. Just like messaging that, bringing that into our storytelling. Yeah. See, I guess, I guess what's going on and what we're what we're um, trying to parse is that um, you know you know what the game can achieve you know what you want to accomplish mm -hmm. yeah. but to somebody who discovers this for the first time it's a game it's it's it helps socialization in whatever setting you're in and so you're like I don't know if people are going after empathy or they're just right. going after connection and fun and empathy becomes the the fruit the reward That's fair. That, that you you come out in a place of empathy but is mm -hmm. empathy the bait is that the front door is that the is that is that the the catalyst to get you into the game and um and, and so that's why we got intrigued by danger because yeah i think i think the thrill for anybody of a game where you have to reveal something about yourself is that that risk and danger mm -hmm. um, and electricity of being known. Like actually have, gee, I hope this doesn't get too personal. But part of you does, but part of you doesn't. Yeah. And so that 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 tension is what that that's what really creates some verve and some edge that really that really can can imbue the brand with with something really really uh, dynamic, and so I like I can see why this would work so well in a corporate setting because yeah. it's in the front of their mind now. They're they're thinking about how they can be better, what they need as a as a as a mm -hmm. as a culture, and and so this is all like uh, cognitive at that point. But like when you're in the drive-through at Starbucks and you see that's visceral, that's back here in the part of the brain that that drives all your behavior and all your thoughts, right? And your belief systems. And so, one way to really 
get the idea across to people is spring two or three or four of those questions on me and it's like whoa all right i see where this is going to go mm. you know and then you imagine doing that with people people you know you know or you imagine doing that with people you don't know and how fun that could be and i think fun right that's got to be part of the equation right? yeah yeah i also like you know when it comes down to one of the things brian you were mentioning earlier is like what's what is that bait right is it connection is it um if you're able to put down to one word it's approachable and it's like it's aesthetic it is empathy but the reason why it's it's so resonant is that it's like it's the way it's packaged i think well at least that's what came i'm going with the, the emotions and that's what like yeah. that's what, like left up out of my out of my chest so to channel that question more specifically um let's say it this way there's a great need for white people to understand black people i mean there just is right and and you hate to make it sound like we're foreign to each other because that's not the ideal right nobody wants to admit that they're not in a good space but that's true and and an awakening for me i mean there's been many in life but i remember um after george floyd and there was some vandalism in the riots which immediately gets pushed back from a lot of white people um and then i'm trying to think of her name i don't have it in front of me kimberly latrice jones is that correct and i saw her on instagram and she was on the street mm-hmm. somebody videotaping it and mm-hmm. she just talked about the anger and breaking shit and explaining why that was okay which almost everybody would say that's not okay but by the time she got done talking i understood the anger in a deeper way than i had ever understood it and that was an epiphany for me that was like i've got to listen i've got to hear because you know and i and i think that um that impact of empathy i don't think a lot of people when they hear the word they understand the power of empathy like like the 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 change that happens at your core when you really understand something you didn't understand you know and that's what i mean about danger it's not just like you know how do you fold your underwear something personal you know totally, but it's totally, it, it's actually Oh my god. I mean cuz two things happen simultaneously. I understand something about you and I understand to your point about bias. I just realized something about myself and I don't mm-hmm. like it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like what I just discovered. Cuz my bias, I have a bias I never knew I had. I don't want to get all religious on you, um but um at the core is a uh, fear of being known because and the fear of being known is that if you knew everything about me you wouldn't like it you'd reject me and the great need is to is to belong to be accepted right and so you've got this tension between and so you have what you mentioned about the matrix like everybody's trying to put up and i mean god look at social media right it's it's digital facade we're we're projecting how we want to be seen is it fear of being known 
I, and I'm just, I don't know the answer because this just got tripped up in my head a little bit, but I'm just trying to think of like original, like innocence and like innovation. Right. I guess maybe well, it is it, fear of being known. Yeah, it is yeah. only because there's things about us that we, there's things about us we don't want known because we think it'll, it'll, people will reject us because. What's of one thing that you, you don't want people to know? Well, all right, you, <laughs> you mentioned, this is a safe one, okay? You mentioned about, um, I'm going to put it in different words, but um, the lens <laughs> through which you, the lens through which you see other people is, is the lens you put on yourself. So one of my problems is I'm very critical and judgmental. So I will be more likely to say something critical than something pra like praising people. I'll, I'll criticize something, right? But that's a problem because I'm super critical on myself. So if I could heal About? that, if I could heal that, I'd be kinder looking out what are, what are you critical about what's one one thing like fear a, of failure snowball fear, fear failure? of failure all right so if i were to if i were to phrase it in a voice it wouldn't be fear of failure it would be what if i get it wrong so i'm constantly in fear of doing something and, and screwing up and so whose voice is that well we're going to go deep here in a minute it's it's <laughs> it's my voice and, and biblically, it's the enemy's voice. So it's a combination. There's four voices in the world. Uh, there's your voice, right? Your thoughts. And it gets hard to know where those start and where they stop because there's two other voices. The voice of the world, which is your parents, your siblings, your friends, media, school, right? That's probably the most influential voice. Then there's the voice of the enemy. And this is another conversation because for 42 years, I didn't believe there was such a thing. Um, and I'm older than 42. So I do know. And then this voice of God, the hardest voice to hear. And so those four voices are constantly competing for our ears and our thoughts. Right. Mm. So that's mm -hmm. as religious as I'm going to get. We'll have to come because <laughs> I know you want to go deeper. I, <laughs> I can tell that. And that's good. Because so do I. That's the trepidation that people have toward a game that is can be too personal. But that's also what they want. So they're they're withdrawing and attracted. That's why I said like a carnival ride. Like I'm right. no, I'm going to be scared, but thing. I want to take it. It's like it's quite a tragedy to live a life being afraid of being yourself. There you go. And check I it out. I hope you weren't saying that just to me. No, no, dude, no, bro. I'm saying universally. But man, you know, here's the thing. Like, if you feel called to like explore that a little bit, pull out a journal and and like and do that. And that's what the cards the cards do. Sorry, that, that that's why I started laughing when you did that. I was like, oh shit, this can go a whole another way. It could, <laughs> it could. But you know what? The, the the average person doesn't have the constitution to start that conversation and stay with it. They want to bail real quick. <laughs> you know, because discomfort, they're like, oh, I don't want to go there. Me too. <clears throat> and that was me. That was me. Honestly, quite frankly, that's a, yep. another thing. A, a year ago, I would have been yep. like, man, why are you asking me these fucking personal ass questions? 
<laughs> like, why are you asking? Like, we just met. Why are you asking me these personal questions? Do you know where I'm from? I'm from Bed-Stuy in the 80s and early 90s. You ask a personal yeah. question like that, you like, you got to know me better. <laughs> but nowadays, it's like, yeah, let's go. When we're done, I want to I wanna send you a uh, an interview <laughs> that I saw about a week ago. So I had never heard of somebody called Melody Hobson. Do you know her? Do you know that name? I'll look her up. I'm not sure. Well, I, no, I looked I at an interview. It was, it was, I'm on a McKinsey feed, um, so I get stuff. And I read this interview, and she said some things that are very similar to what you said about embracing a mantle that you wouldn't choose for yourself, being a black man in a white world, being a safe version of a black man, so more approachable. And instead of despising that, but saying, you know what? If that's, if that's what it takes, I'll embrace that. And she, she speaks about that. Her resume is insane. I mean, it's mm. one, of the most, one of the most impressive. Chairman resumes. of Starbucks? It's a big deal. I'd no, love to yeah, meet I mean, her. That's just, that's just one. That's just one bullet on the resume. I mean, it's like Kamala Harris. You're like, are you kidding me? That's like, what a resume, you know? Yeah. And, and, and uh, toward the end of the article, they take some questions from the, from the, uh, the audience. And the first question is, don't you just get tired of being not only the only woman, but the only black person in the board? And she goes, no, no. Cause I look at what other people have had to do. And this, this is, we have to be okay. Our generation right now has to be okay. Wearing that, wearing that mantle. Cause we're, we're advancing the bigger picture being who we need to be right now. And she talks about it so eloquent. It's so, and it, it just, that just reminded me when, when you, you know, that you weren't just, and I think you're really healthy in this way. Like you're not just keeping your thoughts in, but you're actually able to give voice to them and say, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because when you keep things, when you keep things in, they're hidden. And when things are hidden, they fester and they get toxic. Oh, you know? What does it look like to be like, you know, what's this thing that I'm not supposed to say to you guys, or I'm not supposed to say to my partner that is in my mind. It's like, it's in my thoughts, like, as I'm like, I don't know, walking down a street or whatever. Now, what would it look like if I were to like grab that thing instead of pushing it away, go like, come here, let's hang out. Like, what are you trying to say? What do you, what do I want that you're trying to say? And instead of me pushing you away, how about I just sit here until I take away one nugget from it? Uh -huh. Because it's this idea of like, of being like, no, that is wrong. That almost like gives it this different power. And then almost yep. like manifest in actions that like, that our inner self isn't proud of. I don't know. That's no, what I'm right. awesome. You're right, Ron. <laughs> this is, uh, um, I, I, I assume you know when you say things, there are entire schools of counseling and therapy and thought behind like maybe one sentence that you say that we could unpack that towards <laughs> recovery counseling and trauma counseling. And I mean, there's, it's, I've it's experienced all it all. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But so, so you know that you're you know that you're dealing with with a with a powder keg. You're you're dealing with live ammo. This is real stuff. This is essential stuff. It's important stuff, and that's got to be invigorating, you know, because because yeah. uh, there's always there's always peaks and valleys in the journey, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's you really got to keep fortifying yourself, knowing how important this is, because in those lulls, you just got to keep going, man, because you know it's worth it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll just respond to that point and say, like, the most invigorating part is knowing that we came up with a solution and it's finding resonance and that, like, we made it from scratch. It came from it came from the part that makes us human, like this upper cranium of creativity, you know. And now it's in the world, but it's terrifying in the sense that I'm not a therapist, and we are unlocking conversations that sometimes are. Like, I don't know where they will go. And so I'm continuing to augment what it is that I'm learning, surround myself with people who are in social work, are in therapy. Like I studied like over the winter, how to basically, I, I had to complete some, some classes. Maybe you guys will, will do some meditation with me, but to be a certified meditation trainer, I just, I need to complete some stuff. I'm trying to strengthen my skill sets because I just want to be able to be equipped with the tools for whatever I'm called for. Yeah. And right now I'm sometimes afraid that I might bring someone to a point of conversation that I'm not equipped to support mm -hmm. them. In. Yeah. That's yes. Yes. But you also shouldn't burn yourself with having to have the answer for everything. Yeah. You know, it's about, um, there, there's a description, C.S. Lewis did it, uh, a description um, about friendship and why friendship is such a powerful relationship. He said that every other relationship is face to face, except friendship, which is side by side looking out at the same thing. So sometimes exploring what it is to be human can be, can be a journey to people take and not necessarily, well, Michael, now that you brought that up you have to shepherd me to a safe place or you have to have the answer. It's like, no, we're just going to explore. And I think in the end, we appreciate that you're making it a safe place to learn about each other and mostly about myself. But if you're going to get people to try the game, it's important that that element of uh, risk, danger, excitement, that, that that's there, that that may be the doorway in and the doorway out is safety. I feel you. It's I, actually... I might not open the door if you go, this is, this is a game about safe, a safe place to learn about each other. I'm like, meh. So I was like, right. I want to, I want to go on the ride where I scream. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's just... like, it's, it's almost like the exact flip of our approach. <laughs> yes well yes and no yes and no I no mean, it's look, not you you've been a combination i mean you just in this call in this podcast you've been very uh safe and very thoughtful but then you've also gotten a little animated and that's fun i like that michael i don't just want the one i'm with brian like when we're real is when we're likable you know when to turn it on and you know when to turn it off. And a lot of times uh, we've been turning it on. Like I have done it in my life. It's like almost like the story of catch me if you can, you know? Like 
you go to Denmark, you have to be in a certain way. You come back to the airport, you have to behave a certain way. On the street, you're a certain way. And then you're with your brothers and your friends. And, you know, like when I'm with my close friends, I'm an animal, you know, but in society, <laughs> you know, with Brian, I could say things that I would probably not say now, but, you know, like, but, and that's a testament to your intellect. It's a testament to, to your life's experiences, to hardships that you've experienced and endured. You know, I think um, you're radiant when you're not safe, I feel like. So there gonna, you go. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Hi, right. brothers. That was a great combo. I love it. That was, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That was a really meaningful conversation. We're, we're very glad to hear that. <laughs> I appreciate you, Bogey, for setting this up, man. Yeah. This one's been fun. Let's, um... Yeah, it sure has been. Hey, I can't wait to film Caroline. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do round two soon. Come Sounds to Empathy good. Workout. Sundays at 2, 2 Eastern, 11 P. All right, All buddy, right. you got to okay, close okay. it out. That's it. We're done. That's You're it. I'm closing it out. I'm closing this out. <laughs>